Um, I don't know where you've been in your life in the last year, um, but, but a lot happened in the last year. And, and you're about to live another year, Lord willing, you know, and you're about to make a bunch of choices and you're about to make a, a bunch of decisions that will impact your future. So one of the things that we want to do right now with a series called Pause is just to, to stop and think about what happened, you know, why it happened, and then what God wants out of us this year. Um, some of us, it's really easy, probably all of us, it's really easy to kind of like lose focus on, on where we've been and where we're going and what God wants for us. Or even, even the fact that there is a God watching us, right, that some of us have kind of just slipped from that. And some of us have never really come to like uh, this place where you would say like you're saved or you're a Christian or whatever. And uh, one of the things that we want to do is just kind of take a minute and just to stop and think before we just jump into 2012. One of the things that I thought was... Um, was just, it was just a burden on my heart, was that uh, sometimes we just jump into routine way too quick. Sometimes we jump, you know, you jump back into school and like vacation is, uh, Christmas vacation is one of the like most God-blessed things on this planet. Because you just get to sleep, and you get to hang out with your friends, you get to open the presents and all this kind of stuff, and it's fun. And then before you know it, like school starts, right? And isn't it that like first morning of school and you're always thinking like, what just happened? Vacation was way too short, right? You always kind of say that, like you need another day's sleep. Some of us need uh, a nap to get over our vacation because none of us got rested. Who, who sleeps in here on vacation? You sleep. Who, who stays up all night on vacation, okay? So you went to school dead tired and your teachers were like, what the heck? We just gave you like two weeks to do nothing but rest and you did nothing but play Xbox and eat crappy food and hang out with your friends, stuff like that. Anyway, um, so, so one of the things we want to do is just kind of stop. And um, one of the things that kind of scares me when I think about it is that all of what you saw in that video is in the past, which means it's cemented and it's not going to change, okay? It's going to be in the history books whether you like it or not. And your life is the same way. What happened last year happened, and you can't change that. Right? And I can't change what happened last year. So, so there's that time that you did that thing that you feel real bad about. You can't, you can't change that. And I don't mean to be discouraging. What I do mean to be is encouraging to think that 2012 could be different. And so I don't know. I, I ask this every year, and, and I'm kind of always seeing no one raise their hand. Is there anyone that would just say, just be honest, you set some, some New Year's resolutions this year? A lot, okay, a lot of us. All right. Um, and, and aren't those a lot of times like you look at what was wrong with the last year and you want to change that this year? And there's nothing wrong with doing that. Um, but what I do want to invite us into is just to remember how to make the best resolution we can make this year. And that's just how to walk this life in such a way that it would honor God and that he would be pleased with us and that we would get God's best out of this life. Because none of us know how to find God's best from the beginning. We have to seek it, and we have to find it, and sometimes that's hard, right? Sometimes you're trying to read the Bible, and you're trying to do what's good, you're trying to go to church, but you want to sleep in, and you're trying to do what's right, but that person made you mad, and, and, you know, or, or, the, or that thing was so tempting, or that addiction just it won't go away. And, uh, and 2012 could be very different for any of us and all of us. And so one of the things... Um, that I want to introduce to you is just the fact that the best resolution that any of us can make, the best resolution is to live a life that honors God. And while that's kind of vague, we want to talk about kind of how to do that. And so um, one of the things I did this week was I, just, I was just digging in the scriptures for 
for like pictures of Jesus. And I found myself in the book of Hebrews. If you have your Bible, and I understand if you don't, or if you have a, a cell phone with your app on it, uh, you can turn to Hebrews 1. Um, and we're just kind of kind of walk through the book and look at different verses. Um, I don't know if you're a highlighter or if you've got, if you've got like a physical Bible. Does anyone have a physical Bible in front of them? A couple of us in here, okay. Um, if you don't have a Bible and you want one, we'd love to put one in your hands and so let us know after the service and we'll try to do that for you. Um, but, but one of the things that, that I do uh, to, to get closer to Jesus and, and to remember who he is and what he wants for my life is just to really dig in the pages of Scripture and, and, and honestly just read it. Just sit there and just read it. And, and, and can I just, I just want to say this out loud. It is a discipline for me to do that. Okay, so if you're thinking it is so boring and I don't know what I'm reading and I don't know where to start, and, and, and I just want to make you all kind of just, I want to put you all at ease. Like every single one of us starts out that way. And I started out that way. I started out and I, I probably spent the first five years of my Christian life not knowing what I was reading and therefore not trying to read the Bible. And so for that first five years, here's the thing. For that first five years, I was listening to what anybody said about what God was like. How many of us know that's a dangerous place to be? Yeah, like, I could say anything I want about God tonight. Here's the, here's the scary thing. I'm, I'm going to do you justice, okay, because I, I want to honor God and not myself and not, not anyone else. But I could tell you anything, and some of you might believe it because you haven't read it in the Scriptures. And that's not a knock on you. Because like I said, we all start there. And as teenagers... I understand we've all been teenagers before, us adults in the room. We did not enjoy reading the Bible as a teenager, most likely. Most likely, okay? So I don't want you to think that you walked into this room and there's a bunch of holy rollers who just read the Bible for eight hours a day naturally. Like some of us, some of us we don't want to do that today. But it's a discipline. It really is a discipline. Now, the joy of reading Scripture, where it gets really good, and I don't want to seem like I don't like, I really enjoy reading the Scripture, but what's really good is when you dig in, and I mean, you're just, you're just looking for something about God, and then you find something that it impacts your life. And I promise, if that begins to happen, if you just begin to search long enough to where you find the good stuff, you'll want to go back and go back and go back. And some of us need a little guidance, so I'm just going to I'm going to give you a little bit of guidance. Tonight in Hebrews, we're just going to be all over the place. And that's kind of my personality. So if you're here, you're probably used to that. Um, but I literally went through almost every single chapter of Hebrews. And I was looking for what the book of Hebrews is saying about Jesus. Because here's what I think. I think that if we just get to see a picture of Jesus, that, that we're going to leave different people. And if we would submit our lives to Jesus who created everything that we would leave as different people, okay? So, so a couple of things I read this week, and they're not gonna be on the screen, so if you got an app, pull it out, and if you got your Bible, pull it out. Hebrews 1, 3. He, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. He upholds the universe. That's like powerful. What does that tell you about like your struggles? Like they're minute to our God. You know what I mean? He upholds the universe by the word of his power. Can you imagine what kind of power that would take to uphold the universe? Like some of us can't uphold our own lives, right? 
And some things, sometimes it, it falls apart in our relationships, in our schedules, and, and work, and sports, and relationships, and, and just our life with our parents sometimes seems to be like, what the heck's happening, right? Like, we can't uphold that because we don't understand our parents sometimes, or, or our boyfriends or girlfriends or our friends or, or school or whatever it is, or the, whatever it is, and he upholds the universe. And so what, what that tells me is that I can go to God any single day, and his he is powerful enough to deal with my problems. He is powerful enough to help me. That's, that's a good way. If I was just to stop there, it'd be good enough, but it goes on. Four, uh, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. He is superior to the angels. Uh, I looked in Hebrews 2, 8, and it says that he put everything in subjection under his feet. He left nothing outside his control. He left nothing outside of his control. Again, this is a very trustworthy God. You know why? Because he's got it in his hands. Like the whole song, he's got the whole world in his, song, in his hands, and I'm not going to sing it for you because you would all leave, and I, I got some more to teach. But um, he's got the whole world in his hands. He really does. And, and if your life seems to be spiraling out of control, he's left nothing outside of his control. I just want to share that with you. Hebrews 2.10 says, it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. So what it's saying right there is that number one, everything exists for him and by him. That's our God, okay? Everything exists for him and by him. That's so good. And then he brings many, many sons to glory by his own blood. Uh, Hebrews, where am I, 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And so what that says right there, I mean, if you're not, if you're not getting encouraged right now, you're not really listening, like he came down as God to live as a human to experience the same life that you do and that I do, but he didn't sin, and none of us can exist for even a minute without sinning. And if we think we do, guess what? We just sinned because that's pride, and it's lying, and, and, and he's so good, and he came to, to die as, as an innocent and a perfect uh, uh, um, sacrifice, and, and, and it had to be that way, and he didn't have to. He didn't have to. Philippians 2 said he didn't have to come down here and die, but he did because he loves you that much. And not only does he love you that much, but he has the power to do that. If you've got problems and you're not running to, to God with them, then, then may, may that be my suggestion for you tonight, is, uh, is just to, to remember that he's a sympathetic high priest. Why? Because he lived the same life that you did. Like, he lived on this planet too. That's such a good thing to say, because when you pray to him and you're like, Jesus, I just can't deal with it. You know, all the stress is piling up and, and the pressure from my parents and I've got, I want to have a life and I want to impress my friends and I want to have a good job and I want to make money but the economy's not good and I don't know what's next and God, would you just help me? And you know what? He's like, yeah, I, I lived on the same planet. I lived with the same temptations. I lived with the same people as you. Yeah, I can, I can help. I know all about that. He knows all about your struggles and when we don't run to him, it's just, it's just a shame. Hebrews 6.20 says, And it was not without an oath, for those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath. 
That was 720. I'll read 620 for you because that's the one I wrote down. Where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, what that says is he's a forerunner. You know what that means? He's gone before you. He knows what your future looks like. You know that? Like, and he went before you, not only, not only he knows your future, but he's gone before you to pave the way uh, when he died on the cross, okay? Like, he's, he's taking care of it. So everything that happened after Jesus died, you have this wonderful gift to look back on and just to say, God, okay, the son of God who did not have to come rescue me, decided to come rescue me merely because he was motivated by love for me, for me, and the rest of the world, but, but, but you, okay? Insert your name there. He came and he died for you. Like, that's major, right? The God of the universe, the, for whom and by whom all things exist, came and died for you. That's amazing. 722 uh, says, this makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. None of us use the word guarantor, uh, and all that is is it comes from the word guarantee, that means that he promises and he delivers on the promise that he made to you. That if you would call on the name of Jesus and if you would surrender your life to him, that he would be with you forever, that he would never leave you or forsake you, that, that down the end of the line when you die, that you go to heaven. But even right now, it's not just that when you die you go to heaven, that you have God living inside you right now. And that when you have problems, you can call on him. See, the whole picture of this high priest that keeps coming over and over again is the old system was there's this guy that you had to go to and you had to go to him and be like, can you offer the sacrifice for my sins because I don't have access to the Father. But all over the New Testament it says, because you were justified by your faith, by the fact that Jesus died for you, you have access to this Father, okay? So he was, a pri he was the high priest that went before you and he's the high priest that you go to. Okay, so, and do you know what he's doing right now, by the way? You know what Jesus is doing right now? Like, he's praying for you. Eternally praying for you, and he doesn't sleep. Psalm 121 says he does not sleep, he does not slumber. Okay, so if you want help from somebody, call on the God who rose from the dead, who doesn't sleep, who doesn't need sleep. And even if he didn't need sleep and he wanted to sleep, he doesn't. Why? Because he's busy praying for you. He's busy going after you. And some of us just need to remember that promise today. Hebrews 9, 12, uh, going on. He entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. You know what the word eternal means? Like forever. He secured an eternal redemption for us. And not all of us are on that track right now because we've been... God, I'll do, I'll, I'll do life my own way, right? I don't want to obey all those rules in the Bible. I don't, want to, I don't want nothing to do with that. But he's the one who guarantees the eternal redemption. And some of us kind of think we can do that on our own. And some of us, we've, we've said, you know, I don't believe in God. I don't really think the God of the Bible is, you know, I think there's lots of ways to get to heaven. However you want to say it, the truth is this, is that the Bible says that there's one way to heaven, right? That he is the way to heaven. Jesus is the way to heaven. And he's the one. It says right here, I can guarantee your eternal, eternal redemption. Okay, so for those that are not calling on Jesus' name, like, maybe you should change that up tonight. This is, this is a night 
where you can set 2012 up and the rest of your life up in such a beautiful way. I'm just saying, I know, and I know this is serious, and I know I'm not making a bunch of jokes, and it may not be fun for you right now, but I just want to share the truth of the word with you. Like, Jesus wants to come after you, and he's coming after you, and he's praying for you, even in this moment. Like, some of you, you even feel this tug or this warmth in your heart, like, oh my gosh, I forgot that God was this good, and, I, and maybe I've been stiff-arming him for so long, and I just, and all he wants is to spend time with me, you know, and, and if we would just spend time in the word, and we would just spend time in the prayer, um, you know, that, that that would be a beautiful thing, because he's been coming after us for a long time. But I'm not done. I want to keep sharing with you. That's 9:12. In 12:2, this is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Looking to Jesus, the founder, or some of your versions say the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. You, you see what that just said? The joy of enduring the cross. There's no one in here that would consider that joyful. I don't care how much of a super Christian you are. No one would consider that joyful. But it was joyful because he knew what he was doing. Because he was the only one, he was the only one that's ever existed that could do that. And so for the joy set before him, he authored and he perfected our faith by enduring the cross, despising the shame, and he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He is the author of your faith. Some of you Christians in the house need to hear this right here. He is the author of your faith. And maybe you got saved at cell group, and maybe you got saved at, at beach camp or something like that. He's the author of your faith. But the author, like, he writes it down. But he's the perfecter as well, okay? So if you're living your life and you're wondering, like, man, it was awesome when I got saved, but it's not been so awesome now. Um, and some of us, you know, I just want to take the pressure off. Some of you think that you need to grow spiritually on your own and that, and that you don't know how to do it so that you can't do it. And here's what I just want to, maybe this was the encouraging word that you came here for tonight. He is the perfecter of your faith. You are not. You know why? Because you're not even the author of your faith. You know what that scripture says right there? If you really pay attention to it, you didn't even give yourself the faith. You didn't muster the faith to follow God. He gave it to you. He's the author of your faith. But then when you're struggling and you're like having doubts, any of us ever had doubts in here? Like, I don't know if I believe in God. I got a friend who's like a, a Mormon and he's telling me all this stuff and I'm kind of tempted to go that way or I got a Jehovah's Witness or maybe I just want to be an atheist or... I don't even care. I just want to smoke a lot of crack, you know? Like, some of us have been there and you're starting to have doubts about your life. All you need to do is just look at Scripture. Hebrews 12, 2 says this. He's the author and perfecter of your faith. If you're trying to do it by yourself, no wonder it's so frustrating. That is good news tonight, guys. 2012 should be a different year just for that reason alone. Let God be the perfecter of your faith because he already is. Stop trying to do it on your own. You can't. It's impossible. It is impossible to be the perfecter of your faith and the author. That's not all. I'm not done. Just too much good stuff here. 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know what that means? Everything we just said means he's not going to change his mind. It means he's not going to go forward and be like, you know what? I'm sick and tired of you. I said that I was going to guarantee your salvation. I said that I would never leave you. I changed my mind. You're an idiot. I'm done with you. God doesn't do that. He, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. How many of you have ever met that person that like changes by the day? Like, and they're probably a female, aren't they? <laughs> Just saying. I'm just kidding. 
I can only say that because my wife's in Ohio right now, and she's not going to be like, smack me and send me to the couch tonight. Uh, no, and I was just kidding. Here's the truth. We all have times in our life where we're not, like, steady. We're not steadfast, right? Some of us, how many of you have ever, and this is just a free place, okay? This is not Super Christian House. There's no perfect people in this room. How, how many of you have ever done something, you're like, why the heck did I just do that? I'm an idiot. Some of you are lying up in here. Yeah, man, like, you would actually look back on your life and say, I have no clue why I just did that. My values don't reflect that. My belief system doesn't reflect that. Like, and, and here's the scary thing. is just like that video. In 2011, that stuff is written in stone. It's done. It's cemented. And so sometimes we're looking back on those decisions and we're like, oh, I wish I had a rewind button. I wish I could just go back, go back and make some different decisions about how I want to move forward. But we can't. We can't. Here's the beautiful thing. We want you, we want you, absolutely, to pursue Jesus this year. We want you to. But even if you screwed up in your life, can I just say this? This is so encouraging. Jesus has grace on you, okay? He loves you. And you know what? Jesus knows because he's perfect. He knows that you're not perfect. He knows that I'm not perfect. He knows that we're all going to screw up. There's going to be times in our life where we need to ask for forgiveness. I had a time like that this week where I was just like, God, no clue why I did that. No clue why I treated the person that way. That doesn't reflect me. That doesn't reflect my character. That doesn't reflect what I believe about you. I should love everyone. I should have, strive to have peace with everyone. And I did not act like that. I'm sorry, God. That's going to happen. And because he doesn't change, he loves you. And because he's the author and he's the perfecter of your faith, that means that he, he helps you. And if you're a Christian, Acts says all over the place that he gives you this comforter and this helper called the Holy Spirit, and he's with you. And Hebrews 13.5 says, he'll never leave you or forsake you. Are you starting to get kind of the running theme through scripture here? And here's what I just want to say is that some of us, we haven't, we haven't been focusing on that. You know why? Here's one of the things I think we do. There's this, this idea that, um, well, there's a lot of churches out, out there that, that are telling you that you're really, really good, okay? There's a lot of churches out there that want you to feel good about yourself. And, and if you go to any like Barnes & Noble or something like, like a bookstore, the, almost the biggest section that you're going to walk into is the what? It's the self-help section, right? And, and you got someone that says, you can live your best life now and you can have it all today and if you just believe in yourself. And here's what I want to tell you. Please don't believe in yourself. Don't. Don't believe in yourself. There's a verse in there that says, your heart is deceitful and it's desperately wicked. Your heart wants to lie to you. Only, the only source you can trust is Jesus. Okay, so there's this group of people that are saying like, let's, there's this line of like the line of goodness. That's what we're gonna call it. And you're like, you're like, right, you're almost good. Right? You're like, you could be down here, but you're you're a pretty good person. You're a pretty good person. Let's just be honest. You're a good person. And that and like God's somewhere up here, you're right, he's over the line of goodness because he's so good. And here's what I think happens is like this is not true. We are not here. And God is not here. Like, God, I mean, 
if I could go higher than that, I could, but I'm a human and I can't. And like, here's where you are. You're down here, okay? That's where you are. You know why? Because Romans 3 says there's no one that's good. Is there something happening on the screen right now? I apologize. Uh, Romans 3 says there's no one good. There's no one that's good. Go ahead and make fun. Fine. I want you to focus on this, okay? So don't let the distraction get you. There's no one that's good. There's no one that makes a good decision. There's no one that chooses God. There's no one that, like, at the end of the day, there's no one that's good, okay? And the God's way up here, okay? You are not here. If you think you're here, your God is that small, okay? If you would just change your mind about the God that we're writing about in here or reading about, look how big that cross is, okay? And I know it's just an illustration, but the truth is is that when you elevate your thinking to what the scripture actually says, you know how you do that? You read it, like you get in it, you, you determine that you're gonna read it. You're up, your God is up here, okay? You're not like, I'm a pretty good person. You, if you recognize, if all of us would just recognize how not good we are, we would be in such a better place today. We'd be in such a better place. Now, here's the deal. We can't move forward in 2012 without making a couple decisions, and it's got to be by some discipline. And, and one of the things that I like to do is, is let you hear from other people. Um, Caitlin, you can come on up. I, I, I wanted Caitlin Fox to come and share a little bit of her testimony tonight because uh, the truth is, is that sometimes it helps when other people talk about their struggles in the past and how they've gotten through that. And so one of the things that we want to do tonight as she's coming forward is just to kind of give us a moment just to listen to kind of what God has done through somebody else's life and how God has led someone else to, to discipline themselves to get in the Word and to discipline uh, themselves to keep pushing and striving for Him. And so why don't you guys give her your best, best, best 1010 welcome. This is Caitlin Fox. As he said, my name is Caitlin. I graduated from Bryant last May. So I'm just going to tell you a few things that's happened to me over the past couple years and what I've learned and how I've gotten through them. In 2008, my dad was diagnosed with cancer, and I went into a deep depression, and I didn't tell anybody about it, so there wasn't anything anyone could do. Um, I began to see how sick my dad was and how helpless he was, and I didn't think he was going to live, and so I didn't want to live either. So I became suicidal. I decided that I wanted to end my life. And um, if you've ever, like, thought about doing something, but you want to make sure that it's the right thing, you play it out in your head and how it's going to work out. Well, I did that, and through that, I saw that it wasn't the right decision. God showed me that he had a purpose for my life, that people would care if I wasn't here anymore, and he had a plan. Now, what was that plan? I had no idea. But I've learned to trust in God through everything. No matter how big or small it is, God can take care of it. He's going to be there for you. So I wanted to know what this plan he had for my life, because there was obviously a reason I was still alive. So I began to dig deep in his word, and... I wanted to be ready to be used whenever he was ready to use me. And so I prepared myself and learned his word and just tried to grow spiritually through him. Well, in 2010, a few years later down the road, Mark introduced cell groups. And I was so excited, and there were some haters. Shame on you, but that's okay. Um, 
So then that fall, one of my friends started coming to my cell group, and God used me to share the gospel to her, and she accepted Christ as her personal Savior, and it was nothing that I said. It was nothing that I did. It was nothing about me, but God chose to use me because I was ready. His plan is going to follow through no matter what. Who he uses could change. He could want to use you, but you're not ready, so he can't use you. I was ready, so he used me. So my question is, are you going to be ready whenever he's ready to use you? Or is he going to have to change his plan or change who he's going to use to make his plan go through? So fast forward to this fall. I wasn't really liking my time at UCA, but that's okay. And I didn't really know why I was supposed to be there. But I met this guy, Khalil, in my communications class, and we had a few things in common. Um, we both had a personal relationship with God, and we wanted to grow through him, and we'd both been overseas for missions, and so we just kind of clicked, and we began to meet every week for the, like the last half of the semester. Um, in our meetings, it was completely intentional. We didn't gossip. We didn't talk about how our day was or anything like that. We just wanted to know how we were spending our time in the Word with God and what we were reading, how it was changing our lives, and what we planned to do about it. We challenged each other in our walks with God, and, you know, whenever you meet with somebody, you have to be prepared. So they're going to keep you accountable, and you don't meet some, somebody and not be prepared. It's like, what are you doing here? Why did you even come? So that's another thing. You're going to read your Bible if you're supposed to talk to somebody about it because you don't want to seem like you're the low man on the totem pole, and so you kind of have to show yourself up. But you learn a lot through that. Um, not only did we just read and learn, but we talked about how we were going to apply it to our lives. Because reading and learning isn't going to help anybody else. You have to apply it so you can make a difference in someone else's life. So through that, I've learned to surround people, surround myself with people who's going to keep me accountable, who can encourage me. You need to have intentional relationships with people so you can see how God is working in your life and get encouragement whenever you see how God is working through other people's lives. Those relationships, like I said, are going to keep you reading the Word and seeking God, and that's going to help you every day, especially when you're faced with something you can't handle alone. I don't regret wanting to end my life. I know that's going to come as a shock to most of you, but... I've learned so much since that, and I've become a stronger person through my walk with God and through Him because of my decision to not end my life and my decision to follow Him and His will for my life. And I wouldn't be here talking to you if I hadn't gone through that. And so I don't necessarily regret it. I'm glad I chose not to because, you know, obviously. But ending my life wasn't the answer. But God used that desire to drastically change my life. And now, because of that and because of everything I've learned, I'm ready to be used by God. And as you leave here tonight, I want, to ask, I want you to ask yourself, are you going to be ready when God is ready to be used to use you? You have to trust in God. You have to apply his 
word to your life and seek him. And you have to surround yourself with people who are going to keep you accountable, people you can rely on, people that are going to encourage you even through the hard times. And you'll be amazed at how God chooses to use you. I hope that if you hear anything, you hear the story, just, do you, hear, do you notice how, to, how it started with tragedy? Did anyone experience tragedy over the last year or so? Yeah, a lot of us. You know, whether we want to admit it or not, whether we want to talk about it out loud or not, like, some of us are in the middle of tragedy. Some of us lost someone, you know, recently that was, that was important to us and that we loved. Uh, some of us lost something. Some of us have a different set of circumstances because something bad happened. I don't know where you are, but, but sometimes it takes tragedy to kind of get us thinking. And uh, one of the best things that we can do out, out of that as a result is to begin looking at God and to begin asking him what he's doing. And, and I promise you, he doesn't waste a hurt, okay? So if you're going through something, it's not like it's, not like it's there not on purpose, and so what I want to ask you is just how, how are you going to start injecting purpose into your year in 2012? And some of you have made resolutions, and some of you haven't. Um, but, but wherever you are, let me just challenge you. Um, I don't know if you were in church Sunday morning, uh, but, but our pastor Tom was talking about something that's very, very important. And that's how the Word of God needs to be our source. And, um, and it, his sermon even really wasn't totally about that. But at the end, he kind of started talking about it and and, uh, and guys, I want you to know that at, at the end of the day, the only thing that you can rely on is the Word of God, going to Jesus through the Word of God. Um, at, at the end of the day, you can't rely fully on me. You can't rely fully on, on your friends. Um, there's no one on this planet that you can rely fully on other than God. Uh, now, there, there's good people in this, this world that, that, as far as we know, want the best for us, but, but I want you to, to know that Outside of seeking this book, this, this Bible, uh, you're not going to discover your purpose. You're going you're to spend another year not knowing why you just did that thing or not knowing why you're still addicted or not knowing why you can't get out of this dumb relationship or not knowing why you don't know what God has for your life. Um, there's, there's one source and it's the Word of God and I just want to challenge you to read that um, and, and, and discipline yourself. There's all sorts of plans. How many of you, you have a smartphone? And if you don't, I understand it kind of sucks to not raise your hand. But uh, if you have a smartphone or, or you, I mean, are you around the computer at all or anything like that? Like there's all kinds of resources online. If you have that Holy Bible app, version, there's all kinds of plans on there. If you want to read through the Bible in a year, which is kind of nuts, but I would challenge you to do it. It's going to take some focus. If you just want to read through the New Testament in a year, if you want to read through the Old Testament in a year, if you just want to read one verse let me just, just read one verse a day. It's not much. It's not much. But just start there. Start there. And it's, th- think about it this way. If you didn't read the Bible a whole lot in 2011, reading one verse a day is better, isn't it? It's, it's, a, it's one step. I'm okay with you taking a small step towards getting some Bible in your heart, okay? And what you might see is that when you read one verse and you're kind of like, I read a little bit more. A little bit more, you know? And I, I'm not asking you to have a two-hour time in the Word every day. You know? Hardly anyone can do that. You know? We got a lot going on, and I understand, but I, I, I want you, I want you, I want you, I want you to focus on making Him the priority in life. He's got to be the priority in life. And you got to remember, 
We're down here. And what that should help you understand is that you absolutely need the God who's way up here. Okay? And, and the work of the cross is so great because of how, how low we are. To have a right view of ourselves, which is in here, it's good. Okay? Don't go over there to that mess. All right? And people are going to try to tell you that. You know why? Because they want a big crowd. Our crowds dwindle because I read the Bible sometimes too much. And I, I get it. But I would much rather you leave knowing that God's way up here and that you're way down there. And, uh, and here's what I know, is you can trust what's in the Bible. You can't trust anyone else, but you can trust what's in the Bible. So I want to challenge you to do whatever you got to do to get closer to Jesus this, this year. And uh, I would challenge you to come back because we're going to be taking the next step in our journey next Wednesday. You want to pray with me? Father, we thank you for tonight. I thank you for all the students that are here. Where I've, 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 I just want to pray for them right now that, that you would allow us to have the discipline to seek you in your word and in prayer, uh, to have the discipline to keep coming back to church, to have the discipline to, to, to try to be used, to try to position ourselves in a place where, where you want us. And in and, and, and some of our hearts right now, there's this tug and there's this pull where we feel your Holy Spirit drawing us to you. And I pray that we wouldn't reject that. I pray that we would, we would run with that. And I pray that we would go home and we'd just kind of maybe even journal our thoughts tonight or, or put a plan in place to, to spend time with you this year. God, I pray that whatever it is, I pray that all the people in this room, including myself, would go home and not just jump back into life, not just not just you know, leave these four walls and ignore what was said and ignore the scripture that was there, but God, you love us so much. Would you please just give us the faith, the patience, and the discipline to pursue you in 2012? God, how cool would it be if we could see all of us up on the stage at some point next year talking about how God used us in 2012? I thank you for that in advance, God. I thank you for the work that you're gonna do in these students. I thank you for the work you're gonna do in me and the adults and everyone in this room. God, we love you. We thank you for your promises. We thank you for your son. It's in your name I pray. Amen.